Welcome to Spirits Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 103, Ganesha. I am very excited about this episode. Like I mentioned, in like five minutes from now in the actual episode, <laughs> I felt like this was like a great topic for like a new beginning. We reached 100 episodes and this is our first like normal episode since then. And I just I really like the conversation that we had in it. Me too. I also really like having mental conversations with the people who support us on Patreon, who are kind of like our family and also our like classmates at school, but the classmates that you think are really chill and you kind of want to dress like. And surprisingly, they're very nice to you. Maybe that was just my experience in high school. That might have just been your your bi showing a little bit in high school. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Well, anyway, welcome to our newest patrons, Marie, Noel, Kathleen, Jess, and Rebecca. And a resounding thank you. Hi, your hair looks great today. To our supporting producer-level patrons, Philip, Julie, Christina, Eeyore, Josie, Amara, Neil, Jessica, Phil Fresh, and Deborah. And finally, our fabulous, fashionable, legend-level patrons, Stina, Jordan, Jess, Sarah, Zoe, Sandra, Audra, Mercedes, Jack Marie, and Leanne. You always have the best hair. Like, you're always having a good hair day. Amazing. I would buy that product. If there was something in CVS that just said, always having a good hair day, I'd be like, take my money. I would just give all my money for that. Oh, my God. Can you just imagine? Sorry, I'm going to get off track here. Please. Can you just imagine how good it would be if you could just wake up with perfect, flawless hair every single day? I would just... I, I would, I would just, be a different person. I would. I think I would just have so much more self-confidence. <laughs> well, I know that I have a little more self-confidence when I'm carrying around a drink that looks gorgeous, like this drink did for this episode. Julia, what were we drinking? We were drinking a cocktail called New Beginnings. Which hey. it's such a good pun. I can't even. Uh, but basically, it kind of goes with the themes of the episode. So I really, really thought it was a good choice. But it also features um, like lychee, simple syrup and lavender. And it's just a really nice cocktail. I love anything with an herbal garnish. Mm, me too. Also want to thank the herbal garnishes of this episode, our two sponsors. We got Skillshare, an online learning community where Skillshare.com slash spirits gets you two months of premium membership for just 99 cents. And Shaker and Spoon, our BFF cocktail buds. Go to shakerandspoon.com slash spirits for 20 bucks off your first box. Amanda, do you know what I've been listening to a lot lately that I think that you and our listeners would enjoy? Is it uh, a version of Hozier's first album pitched up to sound like a woman that I found on Tumblr? Uh, no, but that does sound amazing. It's so good. Oh, my God, guys. No, it is a new fiction podcast called Arden. It's basically a true crime podcast parody, and it's hilarious, but it's also a modern retelling of Romeo and Juliet. And it's Love it. Just outstanding. It is so very good. Um, and I highly recommend checking it out. It's Arden Podcast. You just search for it in your podcatcher and you'll find it. Uh, it also features it also features our real good friend Michelle Agresti. Hey. And speaking of recommendations, there is nothing quite like recommending spirits to friends and family. But the best way of doing that, I think, is wearing us on your body. Yeah, you can buy people spirits merch for the holidays and be like, surprise, I didn't just get you a gift. I got you a brand new podcast that you can binge over 100 episodes of. So head on over to spiritspodcast.com slash merch to check out our flask, our spaghost stickers, our shirts, our enamel pins. Ugh, so good. I wish people gave me that holiday gift. Like here's a special podcast just for you and also all of their merch. You got to listen to it or else you don't understand what you're wearing on your body or exactly. why that ghost is made of spaghetti. 
I mean, those are very important questions. It's the spirit's way. So without further ado, enjoy episode 103, Ganesha. We've officially passed 100 episodes. Congrats to us. Yay! We did great. Wait, isn't that wild? Like, imagine imagine a, a book shelf. I don't know why I, I had a little pause between those words. Mm-hmm. A bookshelf uh, lined with, like, like you know, Deathly Hollow-sized books. Mm-hmm. That'd be about 100 books. And that's how many episodes we've done. That's crazy. I don't know. That's many. I don't know how we've spent so much time on this, but we have. <laughs> Eating 100 gumballs would be too many gumballs. Too many gumballs, but 100 episodes of Spirits, just enough. Well, 103. This is 103. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been looking at this as kind of like a new chapter in the show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Got to keep it fresh. Like a marriage. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty significant milestone. And in a lot of mythologies and cultures that we've studied, there are several different deities that one can turn to in moments when you're starting a journey or a new chapter in your life. Right? Damn, look at that segue, girl. You're a professional. That's what I, after 103 episodes, I got to get somewhat good at (laughs) transitions. So for instance, there's the Roman god Janus, who is known as the god of beginnings, transitions, time, doorways, and endings. Um, or there's Ikenga, who is an Ibo Alusi, which is a deity or symbol who is a personal god of human achievement and is said to hmm. bring wealth, fortune, and protection. Sounds like a good one to have in your on your side. Yeah, for sure. Or there's uh, Sai Ming, who is the director of destinies, the master of fate, uh, a Chinese deity who makes fine adjustments to human fate. Uh, I picture like a cruise ship director and... I love it. I need one of those. Okay. That's great. I dig it. I dig the imagery. You, you know that I love the afterlife as a bureaucracy. I know you do. So it's why The Good Place is the best show on TV. Oh, God. Come at me. Uh, Jake and I are halfway through the second season. I've watched all the episodes, but he is watching it for the first time. We just finished yeah. the trolley episode. Oof. So good. I rewatched it uh, when the podcast came out, which by the way, y'all, there is a Good Place podcast. It is a very good podcast. It is. Which is surprising for something produced by like a TV network, but also it's a great excuse to watch along. So I watched with that and then I watched again with my partner. So I've seen the whole show three times. (laughs) That's amazing. But my favorite, Amanda, perhaps one of my favorites of this category is the Hindu deity, Ganesha, the remover of obstacles. What? Uh, so shout out first to TH Ponders and the podcast Accession, uh, which is a podcast that explores exhibits in art museums. They do this really incredible job just kind of walking you through different exhibits and experiencing art through an audio medium. Like it is shockingly amazing to kind of experience art by someone just telling you about it. But it's really It's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, But anyway, they did an incredible episode on the Denver Art Museum's exhibit, which was called Ganesha, the Playful Protector, which I highly recommend people check out. Right on. We'll include the link in the show notes. So like most good gods, uh, there are many origin stories of how Ganesha was first born. Uh, The most common story comes from the Hindu scripture, the Shiva Puran, in which the goddess Parvati desired a child, but her husband Shiva was not interested in having a child. He was spending his days meditating despite Parvati's pleas. So Parvati decided to take matters into her own hands, like you do. Yeah, the story of women from the beginning of time to now. So using the dirt and oils that washed off her body, she created her own child and named him Vinayak, uh, which meant a child born without a man. Damn. I love good literal names like that. Yeah, and also that's such 
a wonderful co-option of the Eve from Adam's rib situation. Yeah. Like I realize this is a different kind of cosmology, mm. but I always found that to be like a particular kind of bullshit. So yes. this is like a great version of that shitty idea. <laughs> I agree 100%. So she told her new son that no one, especially no man, was allowed to enter the river while she finished bathing. Yeah. So her new son was to be her protector and she gave Vinayak a stick in order for him to defend himself should anyone come along. Cool, good. So this would have gone pretty well in any other circumstance. Vinayak was born fully formed after all, but the first person to come across the river is Shiva, who obviously wants to bathe with his wife. Okay, Shiva. But Vinayak doesn't know Shiva since he was literally born a couple of minutes ago and doesn't want to let Shiva past. And Shiva isn't his dad. That's true. So Shiva tries to push past him and Vinayak hits the god with a stick enraging Shiva because you just don't go around hitting Shiva who is quote the destroyer and transformer you don't do that this is true that's a bad choice so Shiva calls upon and sends a whole swarm of gods and goddesses in order to attempt to defeat Vinayak but none of them could defeat him in battle which likely was because he was the child of Parvati like quite literally made from her body Shiva decides to do the dirty work himself and steps in, managing to cut off Vinayak's head. Oh my, that was a, that was like a short reboot. Yes, but Parvati was absolutely, obviously extremely distraught over this. This child that she just gave birth to after wanting a child for so long. Yeah. Just dead. Just dead now. Ugh. No. And she becomes enraged with her husband, demanding that he restore Vinayak back to life and allowing him to be worshipped as a child of hers should be. So Vinayak's original head was lost after Shiva cut it off, but Shiva found the head of an elephant instead and merged it with Vinayak's body, uh, thus giving birth to Ganesha. Ah. So he could no longer go by Vinayak because Shiva had made himself the father and helped create the child with Parvati. So the child born without a man really no longer applied to this case. Interesting. And that explains why we see the elephant headed depiction. Exactly. So after this transformation, Shiva makes Ganesha the leader of his troops and declares that people will worship Ganesha as Parvati demanded and invoke his name before undertaking any venture. Pretty good, pretty good. Not bad. And the idea being like, I hope it goes better than my birth did. Yeah, one would hope. <laughs> so there is another version of this story that starts with Shiva asking Parvati to observe for a year the teachings of Punyak Vrati, uh, which is a holy fast done in preparation for having a son. So she's going to do this fast for an entire year because Shiva says that it will appease Vishnu, who is the god of protection and the preservation of good. And in that, she will be granted a son. I am not sure if there is significance to the, like, you only do this for sons and not daughters. You know, like there could be some kind of gender valuation mm-hmm. situation going on. But I think that the idea of like purifying and readying yourself for having a family or having a new child is really meaningful. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. If you think about it, a lot of stuff changes when you have a child. So your life yeah. has to kind of ma- go through this transition. So I think observing for an entire year, this this holy fast makes a lot of sense in just like a cultural understanding of it. 
Definitely. Parvati does this uh, and manages to manifest a child from her body and infuse life within him. Again, without Shiva being present. Shiva's out doing meditation stuff. Parvati sounds amazing. So the gods and goddesses assemble to rejoice in the birth of this child named Ganesha. But the god Shani, who is the god of justice, refuses to look at the child, which is kind of an insult, one would assume. Yeah. So when Parvati asks him why, he says it's because if he looked at the child, his glance would be fatal. Oh. I mean, that's a good reason, but also, what? Yeah. A very, I have more questions than answers. <laughs> so Parvati insists because that seems like an excuse, at least to me. I would insist upon that too. Be like, stop bullshitting me and just look at my child. It's so beautiful. <laughs> Uh oh. However, when Shani looks at Ganesha, the look severs the child's head from his body. Oh. No explanation why. It just happens. Poor guy. Heads are rolling. The knives are out. Would be presidents are all around. <laughs> now, for those who are not esoteric musical theater nerds, oh that would be a reference to Evita. Uh, which Julia and I did in high school. The recording with Mandy Patinkin sounds like he's saying, Rice let's get some out. And so we yell that all the time. <laughs> yes, we do. It's been a minute, though, and now I'm crying. <laughs> it's my greatest dream that before we go on stage at a live show, the crowd starts chanting, rice roni rice Then we should have established this, like, years <laughs> ago so that people I knew. know. We can't, like, start our, our founding mythology in episode 103. Nope. Can't do it. I'm sorry. They can chance the ghost instead. That's, That's fine. fine. We, can, we can deal with that. There must be chanting is the point. <laughs> Completely distressed, Vishnu takes it upon himself to find a new head for the child, returning with a young elephant's head and attaching it to the body, thus reviving Ganesha. What about these poor elephants? Yeah, they they die for the cause. Yeah, they, they oh. now they get to be like part of a god. That's true. That's pretty neat. That's true. Now, the first story really emphasizes what Ganesha embodies, a balance between the material world and the spiritual one. His mother, Parvati, is constantly engaged with the world and the physical delights of it. She's bathing. She's oiling up her body. She is like, it like kind of just a very physical being, while Shiva is concerned with spiritual matters rather than the rest of the world around him. So we see this reflected in Ganesha's appearance. The elephant head represents the physical world, the attachment to the pleasures of the material world, but also the attachment represents the animalistic fear that lives inside most humans. Sure. Yeah. Meanwhile, his human body is supposed to represent the spiritual aspect, humans' abilities to see beyond the physical world, to understand that they have a future and to make plans for it. That's awesome. I, I guess I would have assumed that the animal is the more like deified side mm -hmm. and the human is the more physical but i like that the meanings are reversed if you look at representations in hinduism especially in representations of the gods they're always in human form it, with the exception of ganesha and they tend to have and we'll talk about it a little they tend to like ride animals into battle hmm. and a lot of times the human representations of the gods or the deities, they're more than human. So they have multiple arms. They are like gotcha. beyond human, but like to a to a level of like they're more human than us, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Right on. Yeah. So the animal is the material part. The human part is the spiritual understanding of the world because humans are the only like level of being that can reach that spiritual understanding. 
Gotcha. That's a, a bit more optimistic of a viewing than my go-to description of the human body as a flush prison. That's so, fair. <laughs> totally fair. Okay. Uh, so Ganesha is a reflection of the duality inside of us. Uh, he allows us to consider what we come from and what we can be. I like it. I like it. Yeah. So like with that very philosophical um, pause in our conversation, let's go get a quick refill. I need one. Jules, our first sponsor this week is Skillshare. And as we know, it is our favorite online learning community. You can learn a whole lot of stuff about being an Instagram influencer. Lots of classes about that. You can learn about being a freelancer. You can learn graphic design or different computer skills that I don't know, like coding. Or like me, you can be watching too much Great British Bake Off and be like, damn, I need to level up my knife skills. So that's what I did this weekend, where I checked out a great class on Skillshare called Think Like a Chef, A Beginner's Guide to Cooking with Confidence. And they really specialize. It's like a a chef and a butcher from Brooklyn. And they teach you how to cook instinctually. So less following a recipe like they do on Bake Off and more like, okay, well, let me think about what kinds of tastes pair well with this kind of meat or like how to cook potatoes in a way that complements this dish. And it's stuff that I never really thought I knew, but it puts words to instincts that I found myself developing. So it was really useful. And they have a video all about knife skills. That is amazing. And like, as someone who has never followed a recipe to the word in her entire life, (laughs) I totally feel you there. And like being able to hone those instincts in is such a great skill. Thank you, Skillshare. Thank you, Skillshare. And y'all, you can go to Skillshare.com slash spirits to look up this class and to get two months of premium membership for just 99 cents. That is a really good investment in yourself, I think, and in your skills. That's Skillshare.com slash spirits. You know what's great if you're learning all these cool knife skills and cool, like, just cooking skills, Amanda? I think it's the perfect time to throw a holiday party invite everyone over, make a meal for them. And you know what the best way of making sure that everyone is happy at your holiday party is? Make sure it's not too warm, but also not too cold. That is very important. But also having good cocktails, which is why our next sponsor, Shaker and Spoon, is the perfect sponsor, especially for the holidays. Shaker and Spoon is a monthly cocktail subscription box that delivers the craft cocktail experience to your home. Think of it as like Blue Apron, but for cocktails. Each monthly box arrives with three brand new original recipes created by world-class bartenders, as well as enough ingredients, syrups, bitters, mixers, garnishes, what have you, for 12 cocktails, four of each recipe, and it's perfect for get-togethers. It really is. And I love that you can bring the box. Someone else can bring the liquor. So you can really just have like a really fun party. You can have your friends busying themselves in the living room as they mix drinks while you finish the dishes in the kitchen. So I I always have that mindset of like, how am I going to distract the rest of the party while I like do the finishing touches on these things? Yeah. And the best part is each box is designed to use an entire bottle of liquor. So if your friends are like, hey, what can I bring? And you're like, well, I got this gin box from Shaker and Spoon. Just bring a bottle of gin and I'll take care of the cocktails. It's perfect. It's the, it's such a, like a community building experience for your party going experience. I really, really love it. Yeah, we really, really love Shaker and Spoon. And we know you will too if you go to shakerandspoon.com slash spirits for 20 bucks off your first box. Yep, that is shakerandspoon.com slash spirits for $20 off your first box. And you can live that cocktail dream that you've always wanted to, that like 1950s, here, honey, let me make you a martini, but better. Every time I shake a cocktail shaker, I feel like I am suddenly like a sexy bearded hipster chef man wearing a leather apron. 
Fair enough. So that's just me. Anyway, let's get back to the episode. Ganesha is typically depicted with one of his tusks broken off. I wonder why, and I bet you're going to tell me. I'm going to tell you a couple of reasons why. Yeah. In a story, a sage named Vyasa asked Ganesha to transcribe a poem for him as he dictated it to the god. Uh, This makes sense when you know that Ganesha is known as the patron of arts and sciences, as well as the god of intellect and wisdom. Hell yeah. Also elephants. Elephants. Ganesha agrees to the task, but only if Visaya recites the poem without pausing and completely uninterrupted. Uh, okay. I mean, that's a that's a tall order, but fine. Uh, so Visaya agrees to this, but tells Ganesha that he needs to both write down and understand everything that Visaya is saying. Visaya's hope being that if he needs to pause, he can just recite a very difficult verse in the hopes that Ganesha will not understand it. <laughs> this is very good. So they begin, but Ganesha is writing so furiously to keep up with Visaya's poem that the feather quill he is using breaks. But Ganesha instead breaks off his own tusk, uses it as a pen without interrupting the transcription, thus keeping his word to Visaya. What a great combination of badassery and like devotion to intellectualism. Yeah, I know. It's really, (laughs) it's really impressive. So another story of how he lost his tusk features Parashurama, which is the avatar of Vishnu. So Parashurama uh, was going to visit Shiva, but Ganesha blocked his way and would not allow him to pass in order to enter the house. Parashurama, understandably, grew super angry about this uh, and hurls himself at Ganesha, wielding an axe that Shiva had given to Parashurama. Ganesha, recognizing that the axe and knowing that his father had given it to the avatar of Vishnu, yielded and allowed himself, out of respect to his father, to be struck by the axe and lose his tusk as a result. I thought you were going to say his head, and I was going to be like... Not again. Again. (laughs) Also, though, if you know that you can be revived from that, that is like the ultimate power move. Mm -hmm. To be like, want to chop off my head? Go for it. Go for it. I dare you. Yes. (laughs) It's probably disrespectful to the god, so I apologize. So it's an important aspect to what Ganesha represents, the single tusk. It is said that his single tusk represents his ability to overcome all forms of dualism, as we kind of talked before. It's about taming the more base and animalistic nature that is within all of us. So it allows us to reflect on ourselves and analyze our own experiences in life, how to retain the good aspects of ourselves and how to throw away the bad. So introspection is a really key part to Ganesha's story because it allows us to strike down the obstacles within ourselves. That's awesome. And it is sort of the um, beginning of his origin story too of you know, Parvati looking within herself and being like, I want a child. My husband is not playing ball. Like, let's figure out how to do it. Yeah, no, absolutely. One of the key aspects of Ganesha is is Vahana, which is the Sanskrit word for vehicle, which is a reference to, as I mentioned before, the fact that all Hindu deities uh, are usually associated with a particular animal or bird that they are seen riding. Mm hmm. Uh, So all creatures in Hinduism have a certain amount of divinity because we are all part of one infinite divine consciousness known as Brahman. Love it. Uh, Ganesha's Vahana is a mouse, which he rides and is an extension of his powers. Do you want to take a guess why a mouse? Um, Is it because mice are humble but resilient? That's a good guess. It's not quite (laughs) right. What's the answer? So 
The mouse can gnaw through all barriers. It can slide into crevices too small for Ganesha to enter. And between the two of them, they can ensure that all obstacles of all sizes can be removed. Yeah, love it. Hinduism's so good at metaphors. I know. Uh, so this is one of the primary functions of Ganesha. As I said before, he is the remover of obstacles. He's not just the remover of obstacles. Traditionally, he is known to place obstacles in the path of those who need to be checked. Oh, mm-hmm. like a good DM taking down that tank in their party that thinks they can overcome anything. That's true. <laughs> so according to uh, Paul Courtright, who is a professor of religion at Emory College, Ganesha's, quote, task is in the divine scheme of things. His dharma is to place and remove obstacles. It is his particular territory, his reason for creation, which makes sense if we examine the main origin story of Ganesha. He stands between his parents. Because he creates that obstacle, it becomes who he is. Yeah, that checks out. And that's really resonant. Like that's just so, that's such a um, sort of meaningful way to approach problems. Mm -hmm. You know, to see them as an opportunity to like learn and prove yourself and test your resilience instead of like the universe conspiring against you. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about the worship of Ganesha. We've talked about this a little bit, but uh, this is a living tradition. Hinduism is a living tradition. And Ganesha has been actively worshipped since probably as early as the second century up until modern times. Yep. Uh, so he is probably the most popular deity in India and is worshipped in all parts of the country. It is probably because he's a non-sectarian deity. He is worshipped across all sects of Hinduism uh, and all denominations invoke him in the beginning of prayers, important undertakings, and religious ceremonies. Yeah. Uh, it is believed that when Ganesha is given devotion, he will grant success, prosperity, and protection against adversaries. Listen, I would choose him too. That's a great choice. Yeah. Uh, He's also invoked the beginning of art performances, which I really like, especially in Southern Uh. India, uh, usually specifically in the form of like prayer dance. Beautiful. Yeah. And if any listeners uh, have firsthand experience with their, you know, family tradition, worshiping Ganesha, we'd love to hear about it to the extent you want to share. Yeah, for sure. So the idea that Ganesha must be honored before anything begins becomes an important part uh, in the following story that I'm about to tell you. The gods were at one point cursed by demons. Like you do. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. In order to save themselves from the curse, they needed to churn the cosmic ocean of milk in order to create Amrita, which is the god's elixir of immortality, similar to ambrosia in Greek mythology. All right. But before they began, they didn't honor Ganesha first. So Ganesha is pissed and decides to curse Vasuki, who is the king of the Naga, uh, which are like snake beings. And they were going to use Vasuki uh, in order to churn the water. Ganesha causes him to vomit up poison that the gods cannot breathe. And it kind of infects the waters that they were going to be drinking anyway. Oh, damn. So the gods do the smart thing. And they pray to Ganesha for this obstacle to be removed. Not knowing that Ganesha was the one that put it there in the first place. I am a creator and your destroyer, but you're also your savior. So Ganesha removes it for them by having his father Shiva drink all of the poison so that they can get the Amrita. Yes. So if you forget to pray to Ganesha before starting a task, he will inevitably put more obstacles in your way until the disservice is righted. 
Right on. So traditionally, festivals with Ganesha are done on the fourth day of the waxing moon in August or September, depending on when it falls, uh, and Ganesha's birthday, which is celebrated on the fourth day of the waxing moon in January or February, again, depending on when the moon falls. Uh, usually, Ganesha is offered sweets such as modaka, which is a kind of like sweet dumpling that's filled with freshly grated coconut. It sounds amazing, and they look really I want tasty. It. I want it. These are supposed to appease Ganesha and ask him to help you realize the sweetness of the realized inner self. That is very lovely. I know, it's very cute. He is also identified with the color red and is worshipped with red sandalwood paste or red flowers. Adorable. Yeah. Ganesha, I love you. I know. I think that this conversation will be relevant to you, Amanda, but I want to talk about how Ganesha's story can be applied to starting new projects, starting new things, starting new chapters in your life. And I know you have a lot to talk about when it comes to that since you, as of this recording, just quit your job. I mean, not just quit, but like you- It's my first full week working for myself. Oh, I'm so proud of you. Um, So I think that when we start new things, uh, having a certain level of introspection before we go into them helps us foresee the complications that we might have, Uh, makes it easier for us to face them when we finally do come face to face with the obstacles that we're inevitably going to face. Hell yeah. Do you have an example that's particularly like resonant for you in recent memory? So I think that I'm currently doing a lot of wedding planning and I found a woman that I absolutely adored for uh, our photography um and like went back and forth with her a couple times and then found out that she wasn't available the day that we booked our wedding and i think that if i had had a little more introspection and i had like thought a little bit more about like okay not everything i fall in love with immediately is going to be able to work for this wedding and i have to kind of like roll with the punches it would have made me much less upset when this woman was like oh i'm not available that day so i think that when it comes to it like Kind of anticipating your obstacles makes them easier to face. Yeah. No, I, I hear you. And it's it's hard. Like in this instance too, you know, you're doing so much of the wedding stuff yourself. You're having a very kind of DIY yeah. wedding. And so the like one of very few people you're hiring is this photographer. So I completely understand why you would be like, oh man, like this is the version of the future that works. This is the one. And then when that door is closed, like it, it can be devastating. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, I I was actually, again, at the time of recording, I am doing uh, a project where I make a video every day in October. So uh, this morning, I recorded one about deciding what to do with my life, um, which someone asked me in in the comments to make a video on. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, oh, sure. And uh, I realized that like the the advice I had was like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Like, I didn't know there wasn't anything in particular that stood out to me. Like I, I'm not like blessed with like a one true vocation or a one true skill. I'm not like a musician through and through till I die. Mm -hmm. You know, I identified as a writer early on. Sure. But then I got really into video blogging and then I got really into podcasting. Um, and the fact that this is the one that worked out is not like indicative of my like inner purpose. That's not in my personal cosmology, you know? Um, and what came to mind when as, as I was kind of scripting out that video was, you know, that Pinterest aphorism, grow where you're planted. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you? It means when it comes down to it, you are where you are. And so if you can learn to thrive in that space, no matter what, it, you're, you're going to make your life easier. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And that I think is a way more valuable thing to like have in your mind than the, you know, 
find your one true path and run after it. It's like looking around you, like you're lost in the forest, right? And the grow where you're planted idea and advice means you kind of look around you and you say, okay, like what is here? What can I eat? Where should I sleep? Where's clean water? And like figure out how to make it work where you are versus like finding a path where you just like walk aimlessly trying to like peer through the forest at like the one perfect solution. And for me, you know, podcasting is the thing that worked out and it's the one we put a lot of energy into because like we had each other and we found community and it was not like this is the one thing that we're both destined to do, but we had the support and we found more and we, you know, came into this industry at a time that we were pretty, you know, well set up um, to kind of take part in the growth of the medium. So the point being, it's not like divinely inspired and it's not destined but it's us like looking around knowing we wanted to do a project together Mm -hmm. looking for the thing that was like the closest um and the most doable at the time and you know paying attention and making good choices and working hard and learning new stuff from there um so yeah knowing that Ganesha is the placer of obstacles as well as the remover do we think that he helps lead us down the right path for us like even if the path we want to pursue has the obstacles is that Ganesha putting obstacles there so he's diverting us down another path that is the right one for us What do you think about that? So I think one way to view it would be like a test of your devotion. Mm -hmm. You know, like if you if you really want the thing that you're after and there are obstacles in your way, you'll figure out how to solve them and kind of proceed like Parvati did in having a child. Mm -hmm. That's funny because when we found out, tying it back to my wedding stuff, when we found out the photographer wasn't available, Jake's first response was, well, can we offer her more money and see if she'll quit the other job to come to ours? And I'm like, we can't do that. Like, that's not right. We can't ruin someone else's wedding just because we want a thing. So like, I'm thinking of it like, okay, Ganesha couldn't remove that obstacle for me, but maybe he placed that obstacle there for me to divert me down the right path for me. Yeah. And it's also, it's like the teach a man to fish thing, you know, like uh, for those who don't know this uh, very stereotypical uh, thing. It's like you can give a person a fish, whatever, but if you teach them to fish, then they'll feed themselves for a lifetime, which is an oversimplification of like <laughs> capitalism. But I was anyway. going to say capitalism. So yeah, yeah, on the no, money. we're on the same page. That definitely has to be in our next round of merch. Some capitalism ah, related. Capitalism. Idea. The true ghost is capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> the true ghost is capitalism. i don't make julia laugh at how stupid i am very often but here we are (laughs) it's because you're too smart thanks babe getting what you want is great but developing the skills to understand what you truly want and to parse situations and not to panic in the face of adversity Mm -hmm. like that is the real stuff that's what when, when we talk about like the psychological concept of resilience you know that's what really matters in raising kids that can fend for themselves or in like being set up for a a happy life. Yeah. And I mean, when we talked about it, Ganesha, he's the remover of obstacles, but it's said that when you give him devotion, he'll grant success, prosperity, and protection against adversity. Not necessarily that there will be no adversity, but like, yeah, you'll you'll be able to go up against it and still come out okay. So I feel like that really applies to, to what you're saying. Like you're going to face adversity no matter what, But learning how to deal with it under pressure and stuff like that, I think that is the real goal of what Ganesha is trying to teach us. 
And truly, this is a thing that I really think about in in low moments, um, is the like concept in Dungeons and Dragons of experience, mm-hmm. or in uh, Monster of the Week, which uh, is played on several D&D podcasts or RPG podcasts. Sure. But the idea is that when something goes badly, you obviously might lose some health points, or you might not succeed at your task, or you might have to find a new solution, but do gain experience. And that builds up to give you more skills and give you more powers, you know, and, and like, level up your spells and your health and whatever. And so really genuinely in my life, when I'm disappointed and stuff, I'm like, well, I, I can mark experience. And like, that's a, that's a little shortcut for my brain to not dwell on what was lost, but instead to think about the fact that every time this happens, I get a little bit better at dealing with it. Um, and that's what I hear people talk about in terms of aging too, mm-hmm. which is like, as you go through life stuff, like it sucks, but the next time it's going to suck a little less yeah. and your capacity to, you know, internalize it, to work through it, to support a partner through it or family or whatever it may be, um, that, that builds, even if you are suffering, you do get to walk away, you know, with something that makes you a little bit more equipped to be less devastated the next time. Yeah. And I mean, you and I are, I guess, as of this recording, we'll probably already have done this talk, but we're going to be speaking at Patreon, how to learn from your failures. And I yeah. think, and like Mark Experience was our original, uh, our original uh, session title, session title for it, but it changed. But I think that that has a lot to do with the stories that we learned from Ganesha. I mean, his entire existence is based on the idea that he failed and then he got better from it. And he got better at removing the obstacles in front of him or getting past them. Um, And I think, I just, I really appreciate that, especially knowing like you are just, you're going through a new experience with a new job that you you are hopefully doing really well with. I know you are, but at this point. Um, And I mean, I went through, a similar but not exactly the same experience where I was like, go for my job and just kind of had to get all my shit together. Uh, and it it did get easier over time. I learned how to deal with like, one, the depression of getting let go from my job. And then two, the stress of having to create work for myself to the point where now I can do that. And I don't feel super stressed about it. And I feel like for the first time in over like, a year and a half, I finally have my like life in order. And I, I think that getting better at removing your obstacles in your life is a great way to look at life in general. Yeah. And A, you completely deserve it. You've worked so hard. And I'm I'm so glad that you're feeling more um rooted in your in your life. Mm. Um and it's it's hard. Like this feeling is so valuable and it makes life feel so much more stable. And for me, it's the first thing to go when I am in, you know, bad depression Mm -hmm. times, Uh, because like that is the perspective that I lose, which is like I'm feeling badly and I my brain is like, well, this is how it is forever. This is how it's always (laughs) going to be. This is the true form. This is your true form. This is, you know, this most cynical voice in your head is the voice of reason and everything else is not. And so in those moments, I have to remind myself like, okay, well, let's, let's like reality check this. Like if, if Julia said this to me, how would that sound? Yeah. I'll be like, nah, girl, you know? Cause depression and anxiety, they're fucking liars. <laughs> they are, they are bad, bad, bad liar boys. They're not very good. <laughs> bad liar boys. And so I have to remind myself, okay, well, let's like, let's look over the past and make a reasonable prediction. So like every time I have sent an email to a client, right? Like 
people either say sounds great or no thank you they don't say like you are a fucking idiot you're not worth my money you don't know what you're doing blah Mm -hmm. blah blah you know every time i like take a professional risk it pretty much works out or i learn something valuable and move on to the next thing yeah i don't like lose my home and become destitute yes so i i try to reality check the cynicism with like the examples of what has actually happened i've uh, been like so far my trend line is upward so far i have learned more mm-hmm. so far i have made better choices you know it makes complete sense that this deity is so important and that his purview and um his like domain you know, is so, so like useful to people mm-hmm. and in, in making your life more than just survival. Like this is the stuff you really need. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, this is such a good discussion. I'm so, I'm so happy that we got to talk about this. This reminds me of the the times that we would have and do have just hanging out before we started Spirits. Like this is the kind of stuff we were talking about. Absolutely. I mean, this is why we made the show to kind of have these discussions and tie them into stories that were important to us. Whether it was YA, mythology, stuff I heard on the History Channel, that kind of stuff. It's it's all an opportunity, an invitation to self-reflection. And if you're lucky to have a friend that you can do that with, all the better. Absolutely. And I think when it comes down to it, you have to remember those, those obstacles in your way, you'll get past them or you'll go around them, whatever you need to do. As long as you remember too. Stay creepy and stay cool. Thanks again to our sponsors this week, Skillshare, where Skillshare.com slash spirits gets you two months of a premium membership for just 99 cents. And Shaker and Spoon. Go to shakerandspoon.com slash spirits to get $20 off your first monthly subscription cocktail box. They are great, especially during the holidays. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com. Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Just $1 gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too. Recipe cards, directors, commentaries, exclusive merch, and real physical gifts. We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions. And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.